we are so blessed to have Dale and Diane with us today. And they are from our community. They have been here at least 20 years or more. And they've been so faithful. Thank you for being faithful. And I get to start to sound like old timers. We say, well, we've been in 20 years. Yeah, yeah, well, where's the time gone? And we reminisce a little bit, you know what? But I think they still have a fresh uh, vision. I think they still carry an enthusiasm. Uh, I so appreciate. And they haven't given up. And they've been a blessing to our community, to uh, many young people. And I thank you for your notes of encouragement. And thanks for we've supported them through the years. And uh, he'd like to come and just uh, uh, share God's word and share his heart. Uh, keep us updated what's going on, Bay Youth. Well, how you doing? What's up? When I was in uh, Argentina years ago, great job, Anna. Thanks. Uh, actually, Andrew and Anna, I didn't ask you this earlier. I did ask Andrew. Right there is some, some brochures about our stuff. Would you give that to every reading adult? There are pictures, so even if they can't read, they still can have one. All right, back to Argentina. I'm Dale, by the way. That's Diane. And Gary, it's great, 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 great to be here again. And okay, so not to sound like an old person, but <laughs> 20 years or so, I wish. Um, we moved to Brainerd in 1986, so that's 21 years ago. Uh, which, which is, you know, with, it's been a good long time. We've been in the Brainerd Lakes area working with Youth for Christ for 21 years. So uh, you're, you're right on that. So way to go. By the way, I'm just going to say this as I, as I uh, start off here. October is Pastor Appreciation Month. So I hope that you appreciate your, your pastor and his wife and their kids. Right, Anna? Especially the PKs, because they rock. They are awesome. Back to Argentina. We visited some, some schools in Argentina years ago. And as we were approaching this certain school, some kids ran up to us and said, Sup, bro? I went, whoa, these kids know English. This is going to be great. And then the more kids, Sup, bro? Sup, bro? And we soon learned that that's all they knew. <laughs> uh, because we found out that the group that had been there before us thought it's going to be, you know, we should teach them a little bit of, of uh, American slang. So they taught them, sup, bro? You know, what's up? What's going on? What's happening? So they all ran up saying, sup, bro? So we thought, well... Should we teach them some Minnesota slang? You betcha. <laughs> so, so we did. So as we're leaving, all the kids are going, "Sup, bro? You betcha." You know. So, uh, so when somebody says, "What's up? What's going on? How you doing?" Basically, what they're saying is, "Give me a small snapshot of the happenings of your life thus far," and then we usually say, "Fine." or something less of informative. 
How many of you have ever asked the question to somebody, what are you doing? Where, where are you? What's going on? And you get way more information than you ever wanted. <laughs> you ever been caught in that trap? That's, that's a terrible trap to be caught in. But today we're going to be looking at two times where, where somebody was asked, what's going on? What's happening? And the response that comes from that and the resolve that re results. And as we look at these two times, you can turn to Genesis 3 for the first one. Uh, you'll, you'll, you'll initially think these two sections of Scripture have absolutely nothing in common. And you would be right. So we have Genesis 3, and then you could, if you want to, you can put your finger in Luke 4, because we're going to jump way over to, uh, to that in a little bit. So you would be right. These two passages of Scripture really don't have anything to do with one another. But through the magic of trying to convince you, maybe they will. So we are going to look at the second oldest question on earth, and that is, where are you? What are you doing? The first oldest question is when the serpent said to Eve, did God really, really say you could not eat from any tree in the garden? So that was the first question. The second question was, let me read it to you, starting with verse 8, chapter 3 of Genesis. Towards evening, they, being Adam and Eve, they heard the Lord God walking in the garden, so they hid themselves among the trees, and the Lord called to them, Sup! No, wait a minute. Where are you? I'm sorry. I didn't say what's up. He replied, I heard you, so I hid. And I was afraid because I was naked. And, he, and here's the second question. You know what? The second question, I, I have been doing youth ministry for 36 years. I've been a, pa uh, a parent for 28 years. Is that right, Diane? 28 years, I have never, ever asked this question. Who told you you were naked? The Lord asked. Have you eaten from the tree or from the fruit that I commanded you? And you know the story, the, the historical account of Adam then blaming Eve, Eve blaming the, the serpent, and on it goes. And then that brings about a declaration from the Lord First to the serpent, and he says, because, this is in verse uh, 14, because you have done this, you will be punished. Boy, talk about starting with a real positive thing in a message, isn't it? <laughs> because you have done this, you will be punished. And then later on, to the woman in verse 16, he says, and then he said to the woman, and he, and he says what's going to be happening with her. And then further drop down to verse 17, and he said to Adam, and his punishment for being disobedient. So basically what we have here in a very, very quick nutshell is God saying, where are you? What are you doing? Have you ever asked your kids that before? What are you doing? You walk into it and you go, what, what you, who said you could dismantle a dishwasher? I mean, what's going on here? And God is doing the same thing. He's just saying, where are you? What are you doing? And as a result, he has to, he has to levy the, the punishment. 
And of course, in the church, we call this the fall of man because it had ramifications for the rest of humanity. It was a big deal. Did God mean it when he sent down the punishment? Yes. Was it needed? Yes. Was it justified? Yes. Is it fun? No. But nonetheless, that's where we're at. So we had a question, an inquiry, and a declaration. Okay, now we're going to jump 4,000 years. And you can be thankful that we're jumping 4,000 years and are not reciting it all. Because that would take 4,000 years. So now we are in Luke 4. Luke 4. By the way, I should mention, every week I work with junior high kids. Every week I get together with a, a small group of now 8th grade boys. I started with them when they were in 7th grade. Every week, our goal was to make it at least two weeks in a row without somebody falling off their chair. So if something happens here, I'm cool with that. I'm used to it. I'm also used to hearing from them. I'm also used to not being able to finish two sentences in a row without hearing something from my audience. So if you, would, if you want to let me know that you're still awake, that'd be great. If you don't want to, that's fine too. I still love you. Luke 4. Jesus just got done with the temptations. Now some people say, I've heard somebody say, well, Jesus was only tempted three times. Of course he was sinless. No. Okay, that's called not reading your whole Bible. So Jesus just got done in, in the wilderness, and it says that he went to Nazareth, which Nazareth was what? His hometown. It doesn't say this in Scripture, but realizing that Scripture is a historical account of something that actually happened, I know people, and I know that if somebody came home, they had lived in this town for some uh, 30-ish years, when he comes in, he's going to get a, What's up? What's going on? What's, what's, we've been hearing stuff, Jesus. What's going on? Come on, tell us a story. Right? It had to have happened. It says this in verse 14, chapter 4, Luke. Then Jesus returned to Galilee, filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Soon he became well known throughout the surrounding country. And he taught in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. Verse 16. Then he came to the village of Nazareth, his hometown village. And he went, to, as usual, to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. The scroll containing the message of Isaiah, the prophet, was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll to the place where it says, this is verse 18, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has appointed me to preach the good news to the poor, and he has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, and the downtrodden will be freed from their oppression. And that, and at that time of the Lord's favor has come. Then he rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant, sat down, and everyone in the synagogue stared at him intently. And then he said, this scripture has, true, has come true today before your very eyes. And they all said, hallelujah. No, they didn't. They said, what? And he winked at them, 
And he said, you betcha. <laughs> this is what I'm here for. And if you read further, they were not happy with this. In fact, they wanted to throw him off a cliff, and the Bible says that he just kind of walked through the crowd and left. So we have the question of, what's up, Jesus? What are you doing these days? That's not in the Bible, but we know people, and we know that it happened. And then we have the declaration. This is what I'm going to do. The first time, it was bearing down the punishment for their actions. The second time was, this is what I'm going to do kind of because of that. This is the solution. Now, I, I am of the belief that everybody in their, their personal walk, you need to have a time where it's a personal declaration of what you believe. You need to do that. Some people it's very public. Some people it's very quiet. At our last Bay Rally that we had, it was our 74th rally. Who was it this morning that told me that you were at Rally 4? Who was it? Oh, yes. Rally 4. And you even had the right year. 1996, which was amazing. I was there too. So at each rally, we present the gospel. This is, this is how you get to know the Lord as your personal Savior, and this is how you start that journey with him. Now, at the last rally, 42 students came forward, which was awesome. And we were able to get them connected with... Uh, with youth leaders in, in town, which was wonderful. We're so thankful for that. Sometimes it's very, very quiet. I spoke with a mom who was telling me that her son came home very, very quiet from a rally and really didn't talk much. And she thought, well, that's kind of strange. And he went to his room and was just kind of solemn and just quiet. And she went into it and said, are you okay? And he goes, yeah, I think so. She said, well, what, what's going on? He said, well, I really don't know how to describe it. But tonight at the rally, they talked about giving your life to God. And I decided to do that. And I just feel weird. She says, a good weird or a bad weird? Oh, it's good. But it's weird. So uh, it was a conversion that happened in his heart that was very quiet, not at all public, and that's how some people are. I'm good with both. I think the Lord's good with both. As an organization, now there's, I know that we're known as Bay, Bay Ministries because that's how we started 21 years ago. But over the years, we've kind of had a change well, we've always been affiliated with Youth for Christ as well. It was Brainerd Area Youth Ministries of Youth for Christ. But in the last few years, we've decided to really embrace the Youth for Christ aspect of it because the whole National Youth for Christ is very, very much for uh, the, the evangelizing and reaching out to the student population in a big, big way. So we, we've really grabbed onto that. And we realized that as a parachurch organization, parachurch means coming alongside a church and working with them. And that's what we've done for the last several years. And it's worked. We've, it's been good. We've been blessed. 
But I started to think about it. We're missing a lot of kids. A lot of kids. I was sitting at a graduation, and that particular year, we had a lot of graduates. That was part of our group. And I started to do the math while I was sitting there, and I kind of was not feeling too good about things. Thinking, yes, we did well, but we didn't do good. So I talked to a friend of mine about that, and he actually did the footwork and ran the numbers and, and did the research. And we discovered, not really to my surprise, but we discovered that 75% of the students in the Brainerd Lakes area have absolutely no church affiliation. That means they don't go to church at all. If you would ask them what church they belong to, they would just stare at it with a blank stare. Now that is generous in that 25% at least say that they attend something. Maybe they go on Christmas or Easter. That's not that they have a relationship with Jesus. It's just that they go to church somewhere. So we got thinking about this and we thought, if we're only dealing with students who are in church, we're ignoring 75% of the students. We need to get more intentional in sharing the gospel. Which makes sense to me, doesn't it? We need to be more intentional about that. The unusual part about that was in working with some of the churches that we were dealing with, they didn't like that approach. Which I still don't understand. So we had some churches not liking that. I'm feeling as though we need to be more intentional. So I went on a prayer retreat. And I basically asked God, what's up? What's going on? How, what do we do from here? And I do believe that the Lord, in a very, very clear way, gave us a roadmap, gave us an idea. And a lot of that is in your, your brochure that you can read later on. But we had a resolve as, as a result of that. Because as I'm looking at the scripture and I see that, that the time when Jesus is, is reading from the scripture, he is reporting to them the things that only he can do. Only he can, can blind, uh, give sight to the blind. Only Jesus can truly set captives free. Only Jesus can really free the, the oppressed. Only he can do that. So the Lord gave me a list that only the church of Jesus Christ can do. And those would be, these are our four results. We decided that we were going to give this generation hope for their future. We decided that we wanted to inspire youth to be all that they were created to be. We resolved to help youth find peace in the chaos of life. And we decided to, to help guide youth to discover their unique value and purpose. So our mantra became that we are equipping students with hope, inspiration, purpose, and peace. 
Something that only the Church of Jesus Christ can do. So as we are talking with other groups, we appreciate what they do. But we realize that if it's really going to be true hope, true inspiration, true peace, and purpose, it's got to be through Christ. So we decide that is what we are going to do. Now, one of the problems that we've had is we are not a crisis ministry. Do you know what I mean by that? A crisis ministry would be like, uh, I, I love, 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 love uh, Adult and Teen Challenge. But that's a crisis intervention. People are at the, their wit's end. That, that is a crisis thing. I love that. But there are other crisis foundations that I don't really have a real heart for, like saving the rainforest. Yes, God wants us to be a, a conservationist, but or save the baby seals. Which reminds me about the baby seal who went into the... See, we're in church, so I can't say bar. Um, okay, a baby seal went into a cafe. And the, the guy said, what do you have? And he said, anything but a Canadian club. <laughs> I was just seeing if you're still awake. But basically what I'm getting at is there are organizations that I know I don't have a heart for. I just don't have a heart for them. Not that they're bad, it's just that... And a lot of times it's those crisis organizations that get a lot of the attention. I know that when a, 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 like a hurricane hits, that a lot of our funding is going to go south or wherever it goes. I just know that because that's how, how it goes. I was sitting with a man recently who is a sociologist, and I was telling him about our, our desire to bring hope, inspiration, peace, and purpose to, to students. And I said, the problem is, and I was kind of whining and complaining about it, we're not a crisis ministry. And he said, I totally disagree. I said, really? Why? What do you disagree on? He said, I think you are a crisis-driven ministry. He said, we just did a study, and they found, and now this is interesting, at least it was to me, so if everything else has been boring up to now, this is going to be really good. The generation that they call Generation Z, which others are calling it the screenagers or, or the screener generation, and it's basically like age 20 on down, they found that this is the most isolated generation in the history of our country. And he said, and not just isolated in our country, they, our countries, the, the United States of America's screenager is more isolated than any other country on earth. And I said, well, how can that be? They're so connected. He goes, that's the problem. It's all electronically connected. He said that there are, there are so many students that don't have any face-to-face -face relationships. Zero. Another study came out that I had read previously that said that of college students right now, 80 to 85% of them 
do not feel as though they have any friends whatsoever. So he said that the loneliness is an epidemic. And he says that that loneliness is leading to clinical depression and it's leading to cutting and an increase in suicide. All based from this isolation and loneliness. And I thought, my, my stars, that, that's true. And then he turned to me and he said, Dale, everything you're doing is face-to-face -face relationships. Everything you're doing. I thought, you're right. So, as we look at our hope, we realize that they have a future. And a lot of students don't think they have a future. Uh, just listening to the news with a, a young gal by the name of Greta who's who's basically convincing and convinced that we have 10, 10, 12 years and then we're done. That brings a lot of fear and there's no, there's no future, but there's really a hope. And the inspiration comes in the fact that they're designed by God. They're not an accident. They didn't evolve from a blob. And the peace that they have, they can have a peace with God and peace with themselves. I, I talked to a student not that long ago who said to me, I am angry all the time. He needs peace. And then the purpose, because so many of them want something that's larger than themselves, but they don't know what it is. So we've decided we're going to do it. We are going to do it. So we sat down with these four things, and we said we need to have a game plan. So the first thing we did is that we added staff. And that was an expense that we, we took on. And then we revamped our internships. And right now we have two wonderful gals that are, are interning with us. Uh, over the summer we had another gentleman that was with us interning. They're doing a great job learning about ministry, learning to be that person of influence. We began a young adult, a young adult, a leader program these, these young adults generally are, are graduates from our own program who want to stay with it. And right now we have four or five of those young people that are, are, are young adults that they're still tied in, they're still uh, spending time with kids, they're, they're giving back from the ministry that they receive from. We have our dream team. Their dream team that I've talked a lot about here, it's our youth council that uh, it's a mentorship program. They're the ones that help plan all of the events, and they, they do the events. In fact, it's become to the point now with the Bay Rallies that they do everything in the Bay Rally. They do all the setup. They carry the whole thing out. They run the, the sound and lights. They, they do most of the stuff on the stage, all of it, the speaking, and then they do all the takedown. This year, there are 31 on that team. And then we decided to join some community groups so that people would know what we're doing. Because we said, we've flown under the radar too long, so we did that. We be began three new weekly meetings. One of them is at the high school. Every week they have time when, uh, it's called the WIN class, What I Need. It, it is a time for students to get a little extra help during the week. It's on Wednesday mornings during second hour. 
And if they don't have anything they're required to go to, they can go to what's called a life enhancement class. Well, they asked if I would teach a life enhancement class, so I prayed about it for about 18 seconds, and I said, yes, I will do that. And we are teaching a curriculum by John Maxwell on, on choices, life choices. And it's great stuff, because I always laugh that a person could either listen to John Maxwell and pay a, a lot of money, or just go to church and hear the same thing. We also started a campus life group at the college. We meet every week on Wednesdays for an hour, and it's just a group to kind of get together, and that, that group started really small and is growing, and then, then the thing that I'm really excited about is we decided, you know, we need to kind of focus on the juniors and seniors who go to the college under the uh, post-secondary enrollment option. So they're actually juniors and seniors in high school, but they go to the college. Nobody's paying attention to them. So we started a group for them and also for uh, students that just graduated and others that are doing gap years. So kind of that, kind of the, the 16 to 20 age group. We started a group on Thursday nights and uh, we, uh, it's been growing. If they were all there at the same time, there'd be about 30 of them that, that come every week. Uh, each, right now it's like we average 20, but if they're all there at the same time. What we do is we, we spend about an hour uh, just playing some fun games together, then we do a Bible study, and that Bible study, you never know how long it's gonna go. It's scheduled for a half hour, but it's gone as long as an hour. And then we're done, and then they just hang out, and then they keep me from going home. <laughs> and then the other thing that we did is that we decided to move. Because we were in an office that was just over 500 square feet, and we moved to another facility that was 2,500 square feet. Austin, let's show a couple of those pictures here, because I want you to see what we're doing. This is at our latest rally, and all the students, or all the, everybody who led worship are students. And the, the ones who did the drama are students. Well, actually, the only thing that I did at that whole rally was take up the offering. That was it. Next one. This is our new office. Uh, this is the, the front area as you first come in. Lots of stories to tell about this one, but as, as they, they come in, they, there's a very, very comfortable seating area. We'll go ahead, Austin, the next one. This is the, the main area. We have a table and seating for up to 50 students at one time. And uh, I think the next one is uh, a party we just had. That's what it looks like with a whole bunch of kids in it. And we just had a, a, a fifth quarter party this last weekend, and it was, it was awesome being able to share Jesus with kids. I don't recall what the next picture was. Oh, I love this picture. These kids are actually intently playing this game, and if you look closely, they are playing Candyland. And oddly enough, students love Candyland. <laughs> right, Anna? Not you. Make me a liar. Andrew said you liked it. So, and then, and then this is the group from the other night, as they were all together. This last week, thank you, Austin. This last week, I counted up. We were able to touch individually as far as talk to them whether it be in a group like that or 
in one of our things at schools, but with an intentional conversation that wrapped around who Jesus was and how they loved him or how, they loved, how he loves them, we talked individually to 63 kids. That's not counting the three football games I attended and the kids I talked to there. That's not counting going to the different community things I went to. That's not counting being involved at the church and all these other things. That was just different groups and different people. So 63 kids, I was pretty excited about that. So we are being more intentional. So, as we wrap this up, just a couple of challenges. What is it that God's asking you? When he says, what's going on? What is your reply? And how, how do you respond to that? When I look at this, you know, people ask me all the time, Dell, you've been doing youth ministry for 36 years. Why? Honestly, it's not because I love people. Because too often, people drive me nuts. I'll look at a crowd and I'm thinking, Jesus, why did you die for these hooligans? That's just silly. And then, I'll have an experience where we have two boys. And I love talking to my boys. I love it when I get a text message from one of them. I love it when one of them calls or stops by. I love that. And I realize it's the desire of a father to have a relationship with his kids. Let's take this full circle. Why did God walk through the garden at the cool of the day? Because he wanted relationship with his kids. That's why. But sin came in there and, and it broke that relationship. Then as I look at so many students that have no relationship with dad and no relationship with their heavenly dad, it breaks my heart. So I guess you would say, I'm not looking at it as a student. I'm looking at it as a father. So we do these things. We host, we host hymn sings, like on October 27th coming up. We have the hymn sing. We have other things that we're doing. Just so that we can continue to tell kids, there's a Heavenly Father who loves them. Because of that, they can have hope. They can have inspiration, peace, and purpose. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, you have called us to share your love 
with those around us. And we are in the midst of a generation who is missing the opportunity. Lord, whether that's the church's fault or the breakdown of families or social media, Lord, it doesn't really pay for us to point fingers and say it's anybody's fault. It just is. So, Father, I pray that you'd help us to realize the importance of reaching out to those around us and letting them see the love that you have for them individually. And I pray, Lord, that if there's a family represented here today where that relationship between parents and kids or grandkids isn't what it ought to be, Lord, we know in due time, in due time, things will be turned right if we don't give up. So thank you, Lord, for loving us and giving us that hope, inspiration, peace, and purpose. In Jesus' name, amen.